Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, folks. Welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I am Charlie Burris. That is Zach Rayton. Wherever you listen throughout the world, thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. If that's something that you want to listen to on the regular, go over to the A to Z Sports National, the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on Apple and Spotify. When you get there, rate, review, but most importantly, subscribe. If you do subscribe, you won't miss our shows when we drop them on Mondays and Speaking of Mondays, it is one right now at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And that means we're live on YouTube. The A to Z Sports Nashville YouTube channel. We are live there. And you can be a part of the show by just dropping in and uh, and posting some comments on the live feed. We love responding to everybody's comments and getting everybody's feedback. And that's just a ton of fun. So drop in your A to Z Sports Nashville YouTube channel. At Troll underscore Burris. At Zach TNT. At A to Z Sports Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports.com for all the stuff that Zach writes on the internet. And Zach, over the in, uh, weekend, you did have some fun content to post about Tennessee football players. Uh, they just were guys in the NFL, specifically Josh Dobbs, because there was really nothing fun to post about what happened at the college level. Who? <laughs> oh, um, but that was sweet. Josh Dobbs, I love that story so much with the Vikings. And let me let me just start off this show by pointing out that before this season began, your boy, Charlie Burris, took ridicule from a bunch of stupid Titans fans, of which I am one, let me just say, uh, by passionately saying, why did you not just keep Josh Dobbs on the cheap? And then maybe, oh, I don't know, draft some more defensive linemen, tra- or sorry, offensive linemen, or trade for them, or do wide receivers, or literally anything other than what they did. But instead, the Titans go out, they they embarrassingly lose 20-6. to six. Offensive line might as well not have been out on the field. And Josh Dobbs is running all over the place, winning games for the, uh, the Vikings. So congratulations to everyone that told me I was stupid for thinking that. Yeah, uh, I just needed to start off by saying that. Get that off my chest. Ah, boy. What's up, Zach? Yeah, it's pretty fun to see Josh Dobbs with, like, a good team around him. Like, he was sent to Arizona for one reason. Like, that team was not really trying to win games before Kyler Murray came back. So, now Dobbs in a pretty sweet situation there with the Vikings. Justin Jefferson might be coming back this week. I mean, that's a huge weapon to have. So, Mm. really fun to see him kind of getting his shot after, you know, waiting around so many years as, like, a not even really a backup quarterback. Like he was the third string non-active guy for, for most of his career until last season when the Titans picked him up there at the end of the season. So really, really cool to see him thriving because he's 
just a good dude in general has such a positive outlook on on all of this you know just not really thinking about where his career goes from here what happens next season just really staying in the moment living out of hotel suitcases all that stuff so it's one of the few bright bright spots this weekend for for tennessee uh that realm of, of the world after after that missouri game which was uh pretty rough yeah. uh the weekend started off fun actually friday night tennessee's basketball team went to wisconsin and madison and just laid the smackdown on them led for the entire game really the game was never out of hand uh and we're going to talk about all of that you have some uh some pretty prominent college basketball guys ranking tennessee as the number one team in america <laughs> so we're going to talk about that but the the weekend started off strong and then saturday came uh and we're going to have to talk about that, too. Of course. I mean, the bulk of the show is going to be uh, you know, breaking down that Missouri game, then uh, the Georgia game. Uh, and we already have the, the distinguished gentleman. He was here last week. He's he's back. He's a Georgia fan. He says the time is now and the end is near. Uh, a lot of Tennessee fans may agree with that sentiment, actually, <laughs> at the moment. And Billy Bob says, hey, Charlie, appreciate your shows. Thank you, Billy Bob. Uh, I appreciate you watching. Um, and thanks to everybody who... Uh, who is tuning in. Let's get right to it. Tennessee getting its head beat in by Missouri was a complete embarrassment. And we'll break it all down right after I tell you about Farm Bureau Health Plans. Farm Bureau Health Plans have been serving Tennesseans for over 75 years. Much has changed in Tennessee over the years, but some have stayed the same. Farm Bureau Health Plans has always valued personal relationships, especially especially when it comes to good health and good service. Plan on Farm Bureau Health Plans for health, dental, and vision for better coverage, better rates, and better service. Go to fbhp.com slash ATOZ or walk into one of their 200-plus locations across the state of Tennessee. That is fbhp.com slash ATOZ. Farm Bureau Health Plans. Thanks to them for supporting the show. I'll just throw it to you, Zach. Obviously, you watched the game also. Tennessee, what what was the final score? Thirty nine or uh, thirty six to nine, I think. Yeah. Or thirty. Uh, wait, thirty seven. I can't remember. Thirty six to seven. Thirty seven. Thirty six. Yeah. Thirty six to seven. That's what it was. Twenty nine point win. Yeah. <laughs> thirty six to seven. Yeah, a little confused there. Um. And honestly, yeah, the uh, the the one touchdown they got was just a fifty fifty ball that Dante Thornton made a tremendous play on and then uh, obviously gets hurt had, had an ankle injury that he's going to be out with until probably the bowl game josh heupel said he'd be out for the rest of the regular season so we'll see if he can get back for a bowl game later in december but a great catch by him and, and holding on to the ball there if not for that play tennessee probably gets shut out because they just could not move the ball and mm. i mean it started from their very first possession when Missouri went right down the field, and even when, when Tennessee came up with that interception off the tip pass, you still had this feeling of, man, Missouri made that look way too easy going down the field. Like, this is going to be a long day. And then when Tennessee was not able to to get anything going at all on that drive, pretty much because they, they scripted out their first couple of plays, and Missouri kind of knew what was coming. They had really done a good job of scouting. Eli Drinkwitz said after the game that one of his analysts had picked up some, on some tendencies with Tennessee, which isn't really that hard to do because Tennessee hasn't ran more than probably 10 or 12 plays this entire season, and they pretty much knew what Tennessee was going to run, how they were going to run it, and, and they shut it down pretty easy. Uh, 
the first third down of the day, Joe Milton made a poor decision to, to hand the ball off instead of keeping it where he could have easily ran for a first down because nobody was on that side of the field. And just from there, you just kind of had this feeling like this is at best, it would be the Texas A&M game where maybe they could win ugly, but just not being able to stop Cody Schrader and, and not getting anything going offensively was made for a nightmare day. I mean, that's, I asked this question after the game on Twitter, and I think people kind of interpreted it wrong. You know, was this the loss worse than the South Carolina loss last season? And it wasn't really necessarily because of what was at stake. It was because of how the game was played. That that South Carolina game right. last season, it was the defense that totally just imploded. This year against Missouri, I mean, the defense only gave up 29 points, but they pretty much did, did what they wanted to do, and they ran so much time off the clock that they didn't score as much as they probably could have. And then the offense was just non-existent. And, and to me, I felt like this was the worst played game we've seen during the Josh Heupel era so far, just even dating back to his first season. I said to, to Crompton during our, our post game uh, here on the uh, A to Z Sports National YouTube channel, go watch halftime post game, me and Jonathan Crompton every week. But um, <clears throat> I said that that game was exactly what Kentucky has always wanted to do against Tennessee. And they have, they just can't. I mean, they, whatever it is, it's like Tennessee against Florida, total mental block. They just screw it up every single time, regardless of how good the team is. Kentucky with Stoops has always wanted to like take the air out of the ball, grind Tennessee down, make sure Tennessee doesn't have possessions. And Missouri just did it. They whipped Tennessee in both trenches. They, it was a humiliation, uh, just an absolute dominance on on both sides of the ball and you know everything that could go wrong for Tennessee did go wrong you had a terrible interception uh from Milton you had that ridiculous fumble where they let Tennessee snap the ball in the next play and then they in the middle of the play blew the whistle and reviewed it and gave the ball to Missouri I, I, I will say I do think the rule on that is that the the officials on the field aren't the ones that actually stop that play because this has come up a few times I think Hype will even mention this when they buzz down, the play is stopped, no matter if the ball's been snapped or not. So the officials do are allowed to do that. I know it felt shady, but ultimately it was a fumble. It was a poor decision on, on well, Joe Milton and Dylan Sampson. I know Milton took the blame, but it was just nobody was on the right page there. Like Missouri deserved to have the ball after after that play, yeah. if, we're, if we're being honest. M- Missouri deserved that win in, in every sense. They went and they took it. This was not... Tennessee giving it away. I mean, Tennessee did plenty of that, make no mistake. But this this was Eli Drinkwitz really coming in with a, a great game plan. And credit to him. We have clowned that guy mm-hmm. front to back. And the the wins in the last two years, the last four years, <clears throat> I guess one of one of those was not him. <clears throat> but you know, the, Tennessee has humiliated him. And specifically with Josh Heupel. I mean, it's been, you know, a 30-point win last year. He really ran it up in Neyland Stadium. <clears throat> and and Drinkwitz just returned the favor here, and he he could have scored more. <laughs> he didn't, I think. And there was just nothing redeeming here. I guess I guess the kindest that I could be about this game is to say this: thirty six points should be a surmountable amount from a Tennessee opponent, like realistically a Josh Heupel team should be able to score 40 points in a game. You did it against South Carolina. You scored 60 the week before against UConn. 
you last year every game you scored over 40 points it seemed like and and then so in this game yeah the defense was terrible elijah herring looked like he <laughs> had cinder blocks in his shoes out there it was brutal he's not an sec linebacker i mean i don't know he's not he's i not. don't he was a mid three star player and you're not going to win with those types of players yeah we're texting before i said it was almost like it was like colton jumper you know when when those days during the butch days just two steps slower than everybody he was trying to cover wasn't in the right place i know the depth has been hurt there obviously a linebacker but you can't win games playing that type of talent like nothing this is no shoddy elijah herring i mean it's the sec you got to bring in the best of the best and he just he just isn't there and and with the speed i don't think he's gonna be yeah, it, it's you just you have to uh, you have to just be faster. <laughs> like that, that really is the bottom line. Faster, stronger. Um, it's like Lane and, Kiffin said after losing to Georgia. I mean, they have twenty some five star guys. Ole Miss has one. Like you've yep. At some point, scheme can only do so much. You got to be able to to, to out talent guys. But you know, against Missouri, that wasn't really the problem. This wasn't no. a overall talent issue at all. It was just Missouri. They were moving bodies easier than Tennessee. They were everything just looked way easier for them, and that was the problem that that I saw was just how easy it looked for Missouri, and that was the most concerning thing. Is is this really? Have you seen this stat? Jason Dyer says Schrader literally is the first player in FBS history to record two hundred yards rushing and one hundred yards receiving. I assume in 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 one game. Is the first in FBS history? I mean, that's a pretty impressive stat line. First so. of all, it wasn't it? It was two hundred of each, right? No, it was three. It was like three twenty total, three hundred twenty okay. total yards or three hundred twenty-one total yards. I, I know it was over two hundred yards rushing because Tennessee couldn't stop anything that he tried to do. They got moved all over the place. The defensive line. I mean, again, the the correct word is humiliation. It was a complete humiliation. It was a shame. It was a complete shameful performance. Everyone who was out there should be ashamed. That's <laughs> what happened in that game. Like the, I, I don't mean to be brutal. It just is what you lost 36 to seven. What do you want me to say? Don't lose by 30. If you don't want that type of stuff to be said. And so I, you know, and, and honestly, it felt to me as much as we've talked about the defense, Missouri wasn't, you mentioned the, like the Kentucky strategy of trying to burn clock and that Missouri really wasn't trying to burn clock. Like that wasn't their MO. That wasn't how they thought they were going to beat Tennessee, but Tennessee was doing the whole thing where they keep everything in front of them. The whole Tim Banks defense where you try to just hold them to a field goal or maybe force a turnover. So they were taking everything that Tennessee gave them. And obviously everything underneath running game, passing game was wide open. Like they didn't really burn Tennessee on these big long plays like South Carolina did last season. So when you take away the pitch six, Tennessee gave up 29 points defensively. Not great, certainly not pretty, but they gave up with like 24 to Missouri last season and beat them by 40 points. So as bad as the defense was or looked, it the offense really should be the focal point of everything that went wrong on Saturday night. Yeah. Like the defense yeah. should have been good enough to win that game. Kind of like you were saying, that should be surmountable. And the fact that they weren't able to move the ball, not make the adjustments. Um, and Joe Milton, I, I feel like with, with Joe, he's been kind of like a game manager at times this season. 
and he's got to be that this team needs something more. They need a playmaker. They need somebody like Brady Cook that could go out there and pick up those third and tens, third and twelves, because you didn't have that many possessions in this game. You couldn't give away possessions, and they just did not have uh, the go-to guy. I mean, to compare it to basketball, where we've been talking about the way Dalton Connects come in this year and been kind of the missing piece already because he is the go-to guy that can come out and close out a game like that Wisconsin game. The football team has not had that guy where Hendon Hooker could be that guy last season. Love Joe, love everything he's been about and who he is, but he's not in the upper echelon of SEC quarterbacks, and it's hard to it's hard to win these games, especially on the road if you don't have one of those guys. Absolutely. Uh, Crompton in our, our postgame, uh, his his comments this season have been pretty controversial. <laughs> it's He's been... Uh, you know, very, very stern in some stuff like defending Joe Milton and some different things like that. And, but I think he made a really good point about Hypel's coaching where he's basically said that Hypel's just set in this system. Like he believes in this system. He's going to run this system and rightfully so last year doing that produced the literal number one offense in college football for a good chunk of that season. So the, the proof's in the pudding there. But here's the thing with this season. You don't have Jalen Hyatt. You don't have Hinden Hooker. You don't have the pieces that you had last year, like Darnell Wright. You don't have the pieces that you had last year that made that offense so magical. And also last year, he he really trusted Hinden Hooker more than he trusts Joe Milton. And so he built in some real folds and some different things, got a little creative. And, you know, it, it can really, really work. But now, I mean, all of the injuries, all everything that's happened to this point, you don't have the dudes. You simply do not. You're not going to out physical somebody. Like, Squirrel White can outrun somebody, and that's true, but it's still, like, that's not going to be a consistent thing that happens all the time. And, you know, realistically, you really need more than just one even to, to make it work as effectively as it possibly can. And, you know, it's, Crompton kind of explained that in a, in a little more eloquent way. He is literally a football coach. Um, but I thought it was a great point. I mean, I, I think that's true. Like you can really tell that Hypo's just like sticking in the system. He's running the same place constantly and just doing the same thing. And it just feels like you're sort of beating yourself over the head when you could maybe be switching things up, trying to, you know, like the, the one that I pointed to, where I think there's a real moment that's being missed of where you could do something creative or different is, is bringing in D Williams and just trying something like something there where you can spread out and have more weapons, especially now that Dante Thornton's out. Uh, but you know, you combine D Williams with squirrel with Jalen Wright, with Dylan Sampson out there. That's, that's not a bad set of athletes. And there's just nothing really happening outside of just that that system. He's going to run yeah. that system, with, and and that's, with, it might be to a fault. With D, I, I'm with you. I'm like, how hard is it? I know this this offense is supposed to be hard to learn, but honestly, they, they haven't been getting going with the tempo that many times this season. There's been lots of checks to the sidelines when they you know try to adjust the play based on what they see. How hard is it to, to run a screen pass and end around a slant an in route, just something where he gets the ball Seriously. in the middle of the field and you give him a chance to to make some guys miss. It's not 
you know, it's not complicated routes that, that you're asking him to run in those situations. And he doesn't have to be on the field every single down. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they don't trust his blocking in certain situations or what it is, but he's a dangerous playmaker and certainly getting the ball in his hands would be smart. But going back to the being stubborn thing with the offense, you know, we've definitely seen that where, where we feel like he needs to evolve a little bit. But I think that even goes to personnel to some extent, because if you think about with Joe Milton, I think the biggest mistake that, that Heupel made going into this season was kind of just hitching everything to Milton, knowing that like we gave him the benefit of the doubt, right? Like he's sixth year. He is what he is. I don't think anybody's going to say that there's some ceiling he hasn't reached yet at this point. We've seen the field awareness. We've seen kind of who he is. He's incredible physical talent, but just isn't as savvy as, as a Hendon Hooker or some of these other SEC quarterbacks. Other SEC coaches have been in situations where they had more than one other quarterback on their roster. Brian Kelly, when he came to LSU, he had Max Johnson. He had Garrett Nussmeyer. He still went and got Jaden Daniels from Arizona State, which is a guy that had not put up big numbers, and people were kind of like, what's the deal here? He probably isn't going to start over Max Johnson or Nussmeyer, either one who had played some at LSU. And obviously, he's end up he's one of the best players in the nation. I mean, that was a brilliant move by Kelly. Even Lane Kiffin has went out and got more, what, several, three scholarship quarterbacks on his roster that have come from the portal. I don't know, several that he's went and got even when he had guys Saban, you know, had a couple on the roster, still went and got a guy from Notre Dame. That hasn't really worked out. But the point remains that, like, you can't just hit yourself to one guy that doesn't have that much SEC starting experience. And even then, knowing that there were some questions about him dating back to his time at Michigan, like, that feels like such a huge misstep now in retrospect. I mean, that was not – you weren't really giving yourself an out there when your only other option was a true freshman and Nico – and, and I'm not really advocating for that, especially at this point in the season, is you really don't have much benefit. Seeing Nico, he needs to add a little bit of weight. You don't want him getting just destroyed out there, especially against Georgia. You know, as, as savvy as he does seem to be on the field, I don't know if that's the best situation. But just looking back, that seems like such a, a miscue by by Heupel and the staff. And, and hopefully they learn from that moving forward because you can't – you just can't always assume that these quarterbacks that come in are going to be – you know, who you think they are. Sometimes you got to get a guy from the portal that you kind of seen play some college football and, and you can know what to expect a little bit. I thought thought Kelly and, and, and Kiffin had a better idea on that than, than Heupel. I agree. And I think it was Greg and Papa Jay here in, in the comments. They were going back and forth a little bit about Joe Milton and should Nico play. I agree with you. Just let's not, you know, get him if you're getting – like this coming week, if you're getting blasted by Georgia, yeah, throw them in the game. Or, or you know, if you're running it up on Vandy in a week, absolutely get him in the game. I no qualms about that at all. But to start him in, in this spot against the number one team in America, who frankly has the potential to, to push your offensive line around, no, 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 no. In my personal opinion, that that would not be a coaching decision on on Heupel's part. And I I absolutely get it. I know that. It's kind of two camps where it's sort of us, where we're saying this season, at least in a championship sense, is a lost cause now. So let's just keep Joe. And then there's another side that says this season is kind of a lost cause now for a championship. So let's just see Nico. And it's two, two different things. I get it. I just, you know, save, save him for next year. Get, put some, you know, feed, feed the kid and put some weight on 
and and then we'll we'll approach next season. But yeah, you the theme of this offseason is the season is gonna be transfer portal. You gotta go to the transfer portal, you gotta get that depth, and then and then paying some of these guys that you really want to stay, give these boys some NIL deals, make sure that they don't transfer or go to go to the NFL if they have another year of eligibility. I mean, you, you got to make sure that you keep this roster together as, as much as possible with, with the guys that you want. I mean, some of them maybe <laughs> you could shave off. I, you know, it just depends. But um, if you, I, ben, I, ben Hall's comment here talking about, you know, we said all offseason that no one was going to come with Joe and Nico on the roster. That's, that's true to the extent where no one was going to come be a backup to Joe with Nico that was younger. I'm saying they should have went and got somebody that could compete with Joe for the starting job. Like, like a Sam yeah. Hartman when he was available, go give him whatever you, you had to, to give him to try to get him to come or, or any, anybody in that realm. And look, if they're a gamer and they see Joe Milton's tape, they think they can beat him out. Like they'll come and, and they'll, they'll go for it. Like it, it happened at Ole Miss. It happened at LSU. Why can't it happen at Tennessee? I was looking more for like a grad transfer that's trying to go somewhere and, and, build a case for the NFL draft. Even one of those LSU guys, uh, I mean, some of them, uh, Max Johnson went to Texas A&M, I've already seen him there. So these guys are moving around and they're not afraid to go somewhere where there is another quarterback. I was advocating for somebody to go compete with Milton going into the season. I think just anointing Milton as the starter going in, in retrospect, was a mistake. And I know that's easy to say now, you know, now that we've seen how the season unfolded. But yeah just seeing how the other SEC programs have approached it, it's not sh that shocking that it kind of came to this. For sure. Yeah, hindsight 2020. I mean, you, it, it is what it is at, at this point. Um, this <laughs> Before we move on to this next segment, talk about the Georgia game. Timothy says, do you, whoop, here, do you guys think that Tennessee can grab Walter Nolan from Jimbo now that Jimbo got fired? Yeah, it was an eventful weekend in SEC coaching for sure Jimbo got axed uh and then uh Zach Arnett at Mississippi State also got axed um they're gonna pay Jimbo 75 million bucks to go away it's so crazy but Walter Nolan should should be up for grabs obviously Knoxville native um and yeah get that man here because it, it came down to Texas A&M Tennessee maybe I don't know, Alabama or something for him um and so yeah you, go go get him Go get some of those dudes off offense that Jimbo was absolutely wasting there. They had some real talent on that offensive line. I mean, really, go go scour whatever you got to do. Mississippi State, too. I, I kind of feel bad for Mississippi State since they had their coach die, which is just so crazy still. And I feel bad for Zach Arnett. That, that entire That's situation. That's a tough spot. It, it, really, it really, really is. But the, the fact is this that situation is going to be get guys transferring. And if there are dudes on that team, is it uh, Tulo Smith? You know, somebody like that, right? I think that's uh, his name. It's a wide receiver for them. Tulo Gri Griffin? I, I can't remember. But anywho, there's good dudes on that team. You got to be looking absolutely everywhere. I, I hope that Hypo was on the phone from the second he heard Jimbo got fired. Because that that just, you got to have dudes. Like, period. Uh, and that that's just the fact of life at this point. Yeah, I think Heupel's got to change his approach on the portal just a little bit. I know culture is huge for him, but you got to have dudes. And it, building a program solely through high school recruiting is even tougher in the portal era unless you're Georgia or Alabama or Ohio State. Whoever's landing the top five classes every single year 
if you're not landing those guys, then the other programs like Florida State's and Ole Miss's, they're going to the portal and they're loading up on experienced talent, and you're having to you're having to fight that battle, and you end up in situations where you are playing sophomore Elijah Herring in a very important SEC road game. And I know they had Keenan Peely, and and that you know is unfortunate the way that transpired with his injury. That was a huge loss that definitely has impacted Tennessee's roster this season. But they just I don't think they went heavy enough in the portal. They kind of they could have went a little better along the offensive line, especially at the guard position, kind of addressing some of those needs. You, you kind of put all your eggs in one basket with Andre's carriage, and it, it didn't really work out there. And he's battled injuries and. That's kind of been a tough spot. You did hit on John Campbell, but it's not like they've completely ignored the portal, but I think they've been a little too selective, maybe. I mean, culture's important, but then you've also got Deion Sanders out here saying, you know, he doesn't care if they like each other. Elaine Kiffin talking about how he never preaches family to any of these guys. And I'm not saying that's the totally right approach either, but I think you do have to deal with some headaches. Look, you had Jawan Mitchell on the roster, and it didn't torpedo the whole thing. You know, he he played some important snaps here and there. So I think you can get by with a few of those that don't don't work out. You got a roster of a hundred and some people, no matter how good it looks on the outside, not everybody's gonna like each other all the time. And that's just being a part of a team, especially a football team with that many players. Tulo Smith plays for Mississippi State basketball. <laughs> Who am I thinking of? I, I don't know, but see what he can do. Hey, maybe he's good at football and still. Go grab him. Um, you know, Zach Arnett yeah. originally went to college to be a baseball player and ended up walking onto the football team, and that's how his uh, football career started. So you never know. I feel like I could see that. He, he looks a little bit like a baseball guy. Uh, yeah, like Jason brings up here Jeremy Bates. Like, yeah. He played hard. I know there, there's the South Carolina game stuff, and I, I still don't believe all that was because of, of Bates. I think that was just a really bad night, and – had some probably had some signals too. It was a pretty bad combination of just everything going wrong at the wrong time for Tennessee. And we've seen since then that that tends to happen under Josh Heupel, something that obviously has got to get fixed. You can't keep having these meltdowns on the road. So I think looking back at that, really tough to blame Jeremy Banks for that night in Columbia last season when we've seen it kind of happen three times since then without him. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Well, there's that as far as Missouri goes you could talk about the bad elements of it all day long and continue to break it down. But on honestly, some of the stuff that needs to be talked about coming out of Missouri, we need to talk about in this next segment with Georgia. Mm. The number one team in America is coming into Neyland stadium the, this week. And uh, uh, obviously Tennessee 15 game winning streak at home at this uh, moment, I think um, has it extended? I think, 14? Something I mean, like something that. Something like that. I guess it does go back to Georgia in 2021. Yes. Two full years ago, I believe. <laughs> it was Georgia two years ago. The last person, uh, the last team to beat Tennessee at home. Can they do it again? Or really, should we say, can Tennessee pull this kind of miracle upset? Let's talk about it right after I tell you about HelloFresh. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. The holidays are right around the corner, and HelloFresh 
can help take the stress out of dinner by delivering everything you need to cook up tasty meals right to your door, saving you tons of time. The holiday season can be hectic, and that's where HelloFresh's 15-minute meals come in. These quick fixes help help you get a wholesome meal on the table in less time than it takes to get delivery. Zach and I have uh, have both gotten HelloFresh now, and it, it seriously is so easy. Obviously, it comes right to your door, and and you just no grocery store. You just pull it right out of the, it comes in these nice little bags and everything. It's great. Uh, so get your hands on some. Everyone wants to cut back on errands and spending time in checkout lines this time of year. So skip that extra grocery store trip and instead get fresh ingredients and delicious delicious recipes delivered with HelloFresh. Just pick your meals, decide on a delivery date and sit back. Now go to HelloFresh.com slash VolsFree, V-O-L-S-F-R-E-E, and use code VolsFree for free breakfast for life that's one breakfast item per box while your subscription is active that is free breakfast for life at hellofresh.com slash balls free with code balls free go there now hellofresh america's number one meal kit all right let's talk about it george is good man they they they're a good football team yet again they're the best football team in america i don't think anybody would would argue with that. Um, it's a damn shame. I hate it every week. I watch them be as good as they are, and I just want to vomit. It really sucks. They have they haven't lost in over two years, right? They, well, they I mean they went undefeated last year, and was it the twenty twenty one SEC championship game? Yeah, to Alabama yep. they lost, and then they won, mm-hmm. they, and they beat them in the championship in the game. national championship. Yeah, so you're going if they go undefeated this year, it'd be not three, three Next, years time wise. Oh yeah, and and three championships in a row, which is like I think they said uh, it's only been done by like Minnesota or something absurd in the like 1940s. Just absurd stuff God, that no. that he's accomplished down there. Oh God, it it makes me ill and. I mean, I, I look at them and it just, you know, they're going to play Alabama in the SC championship game. Now that's set in stone. And I mean, do, do you even look at Alabama and no, go, they're getting better. I think they're, they're improving. They have a chance. I don't, I don't think that they, I don't, this, this might be giving away what my prediction is going to be for this game. already. But I, oh. I mean, just, just what, whatever it is. I mean, Kirby smart has just put together a roster there. Because he's he's not doing anything crazy. He runs a pretty straightforward offense. It's pretty traditional, just like nothing, you know, out of the ordinary. And then the defense is just, you know, clamps down on you, puts their hands around your neck and strangles you until you're dead. Like that is all they do in every single game. And they, I mean, even in a bunch of games already this season, they've gotten like down by 10 points. And then they just, they come back and they win by 20. And it, Georgia fans oh, won't gross. like you. Georgia fans won't like you saying that that he doesn't do anything special. But he pretty much said it himself. He doesn't during his press conference. He's like, football is blocking and getting off blocks. Like that's exactly what it comes down to. And Georgia has the dudes to do that better than anyone else. And that's why this game on Saturday, you know, t- I think Tennessee's going to play a lot better than they did against Missouri. For one, they play a lot better at home. I, I don't know what it is. Because I don't, I don't think the crowd noise really like that crowd noise impacted Tennessee last year at Georgia. I mean, Jalen Hyatt said it, Cooper Mays said it, plenty of players have, have said how tough that was in Athens last year. 
Aside from that, like the Alabama game earlier this season, like the crowd noise didn't really get them in that game. Missouri, that that wasn't the issue. Uh, just for whatever reason, they have better vibes at home, and and they seem to play much better in Knoxville. And I think that they will play a lot better against Georgia. I think they're motivated now. Uh, Jacob Warren kind of said it today. There's a sense of urgency, especially with the seniors and guys that aren't coming back to kind of close this thing out the right way. But unfortunately, it's just really bad time to play Georgia where they're hitting their stride. Tennessee is, you know, they're down Kamal Haddon. Keenan Peely's been out. Brew McCoy's out. Dante Thornton now is out. You've lost so much depth. Your offensive line, it hasn't really been talked about because dudes have played, but, I mean, Gerald Mincy's been banged up all season. Campbell's been banged up. Like, Cooper Mays, we know, probably still isn't 100%, especially after missing the first, you know, four or five games of the season, however many it was. All those guys are really banged up and playing through a lot of stuff, and there's not a ton of depth along the offensive line either to give them a reprieve. So you're talking about a really banged up football team that's had their depth tested going against the best team in the country. It's it, it's it's not the ideal time to be playing Georgia right now. Yeah, I mean, Ben, ben says, oh, Charlie sounds like he's tucked in his manhood. No, 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 no. Go watch this Georgia football team play. And you tell me if anything that I said is is wrong. They strangle everybody like a boa constrictor. Didn't they they had that that graphic? No, no, no. That was Michigan. It was Mich- Did you see that? The the deer in the Michigan Pitt State game, they had some graphic that showed Jim Harbaugh as a snake, which I was like, oh, that's kind of fitting. Um, and they said that they boa constrictor everybody, which is all true. Michigan's really good. Too. That's a tough truth about that whole situation. Michigan's a good football team. <laughs> Jim Harbaugh said today they should be America's team. He literally said that. Yeah. Uh, um, anyway. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just being honest. Georgia just, I, I mean, if I saw more weakness in Georgia, yeah, I, I would point it out. I mean, you look like, is Carson Beck some killer quarterback? No. But he's good enough to work in that system with a bunch of six-star players around him and like a freaking brick wall standing in front of him on that offensive line. And so he gets it done. You, you know, it's it just you work with what you have. And, and Carson Beck isn't the best quarterback in America, but he's more than good enough to take Georgia where it needs to go when that defense is that good and the pieces around him are as good as they are like Brock Bowers, who is going to play, who played this past week uh, against Ole Miss. Didn't have a huge game, but still played in his – just it changes the way that your defense has to defend them. You know, it's just another piece on that field that you have to account for a lot more than you would if he didn't play. And if so, you can't tackle Cody Schrader, that's not going to be much easier. You exactly. Exactly. I mean, please, Lord, let Keenan Peely come back for this game. I I don't know, like what, like let him be miraculously healed. I, I mean, and even come back, then, though, please. is he going to be? I don't think he'd be in any sort of football shape to really. No to play that many snaps and to have a huge impact. That, that's why I said this game, I don't know how it'll go. I think Tennessee will play hard. I think they'll be motivated. I think they could even keep it close for a little while. I think the offense will probably hit some plays. But ultimately, the depth is just not going to allow Tennessee to take this game really into the fourth quarter, I don't think, and close it out because, like I said, they're just so banged up. They just they just don't have the depth to compete with Georgia and what they have, uh, depth wise, talent wise. You know, this game happens earlier in the year, maybe when Tennessee kind of first started to hit their stride there in middle middle of October against like Kentucky. Maybe the game goes a little different if it's at home. You're a little healthier, but I, even then, not having like a Brew McCoy 
you need Brew McCoy in this game. You need him on the perimeter blocking. You need him in the run game. You need him to pick up those tough first downs when you've got to fight for an extra four or five yards. Squirrel's going to fight for it. Like you said, he's physical too, but he's he's tiny going up against these Georgia defenders. You need somebody like Brew out there. So here here's the question before we move on to talk about Tennessee basketball, who looks really, really good. Uh, kind of like Georgia football. I don't know if they're that good, but they look pretty good. Um, does Tennessee legitimately have a chance? Like, do you not that do you think Tennessee can win, or do, do you think Tennessee will win? But do you think Tennessee has the ability to win this game? Like, is is there a scenario where that could happen? Because I think about it, and at a at a foundation, it would have to be everything going wrong for Georgia. They just, Tennessee gets them in a hole, they freak out, you know, and then they start, there's turnovers, and they just have a freak nightmare game. Uh, th- that would have to be a minimum right there. And then I think on top of that, Tennessee has to play the best game of the season that they've played. Joe Milton has to drag this team, w- w- really run this team. Uh, he needs to use his legs, be all over the place, throw every pass that he can as perfectly as he can. It just execute at the exact top level that they can. And even then, I think it's going to be close. But I personally, could that happen? Sure. Also, there is a chance that every time you buy a lottery ticket, you'll win the, you know, the Mega Millions. <laughs> but what chance is there really that you're going to do it? So what do you think, Zach? Yeah, I, mean, I don't, I don't, I feel like I don't want to say this team doesn't have a chance. I mean, they're, they're still a top 25 team. They're seven and three. Georgia is, you know, they haven't really had this letdown game in a couple of years, and and they're finally going into a game like this where there is really no motivation for Georgia. Like, yeah, they want to go undefeated. They're already in the SEC championship game. They've locked that down. They don't have, like, the college football playoff ranking motivation that they clearly used last season before playing Tennessee. So if there was ever a case for, like, a sort of kind of trap game, because, you, I mean, they already know they're playing Alabama in two two weeks like they already know that that's their opponent that to get to the number one seed in the playoff like they know all this so it does set up like a trap game and Tennessee did I mean they had a two touchdown lead in Tuscaloosa against an Alabama team that's showing to be not not as bad as we thought they were that they haven't been completely written off they're gonna go undefeated the SEC in the regular season and, and going into an Atlanta with a chance to knock off Georgia and then possibly be, you know, one of the top seeds in the playoff. Uh, so, yeah, Tennessee's capable of when everything clicks, making it really hard on Georgia. Uh, they are. I think – I don't know what happened with Missouri and and then being able to stop the run against Tennessee, but they're the first team that's really been able to do that this season. Alabama wasn't able to. Very similar defensive structures in Alabama and Georgia. They run a lot of the same stuff. Obviously, Alabama has some really talented players as well. So, I, yeah, there's the possibility for everything to go right and for Tennessee to to kind of make this a dogfight and to give Georgia a, a really hard game and to have a chance. I just I said earlier, it's boring, but I, I do think the depth is going to be such a concern when you get late in this game because it's going to be a really physical game and not having a lot of those guys like Kamal Haddon to kind of be a shutdown corner and – the liability at linebacker that we've now seen. It's really going to be on the defensive line to have a great day against a really good offensive line. That's a tough matchup too. So it's, it really comes down to that for me. 
I think that's pretty much spot on. Uh, I mean, Titans YouTuber says there's always a scenario when you take the field. Yes. Oh, yeah. Scenario, scenario does exist where the pieces could fall into place. But I think at best, it's like what happened with Alabama last year, where it just stuff is going to happen and you just, you know, it's a last second field goal, 15 second drive, like that type of miracle stuff has to happen. The bounces have to go your way. You got to, you got to have the refs on your side a little bit. That's a factor at this point, which Lord knows that's probably not going to happen. And just, you know, a, a lot of things would have to occur. I mean, maybe even I, I, I hate to say this, but like maybe like a, a tweak to Brock Bowers to that injury, or maybe just like, you know, something happens where he's just not a hundred percent. Like I said, I don't, I don't like to speak that into existence, but legitimately having Brock Bowers not on the field is a huge difference maker period. It just is what it is. Um, you know, I, I want him to be healthy, you know, but that that's just a truth. Maybe something like that. We're just literally the chips fall in your favor. I could see it, but just straight up. I mean, you look at this and you, if you were just realistic, Georgia has the ability to push this team around. If they, if they got pushed around by Missouri, like if, if Tennessee, Tennessee could have lost that game to Missouri. Just, you know, oh, last, last second drive, they they give up a lead and, oh, you lost to Missouri because their offense is pretty strong and that just is what it is. You lose by three points or something. Okay, fine. But you got your doors blown off. You got pushed around. You got dominated. You got humiliated. The, and and so I look at that. If Missouri did it to you, what is what's Georgia going to do? So it's either got to be a complete flipping mentality, complete, you know, just total angry play, crazy motivation over the top. The crowd gets to Georgia. Obviously, that's always a possibility with Neyland. Um it, it does kind of set up like the uh, South Carolina, Tennessee game last season where Tennessee's kind of in South Carolina's role, you know, coming off a horrible loss to Missouri, kind of like South Carolina was coming off that loss to Florida. Nobody's really given Tennessee a chance. Nobody gave South Carolina a chance. Home game, you know, it. Georgia's pretty much, you know, like Dabo, they're, they're flipping burgers and, and kind of waiting on, <laughs> waiting on their, their, their playoff, you know, ranking to come in and they they kind of know where they're going to be so it does like i said it does set up in the trap game way it really couldn't set up yeah, any it better does. for tennessee when it comes to that scenario but you you got to take care of business and i don't i'm not a huge fan of the where you played this way the last game so you're going to play that way the next game i mean clearly whatever happened against missouri hasn't happened in every game this season. You you've had much better performances than that. You are capable of playing much better than that. And you know, if you can't get motivated to beat Georgia and to end their winning streak, you've got all the motivation in the world. I mean, this can save your season. You win this game somehow. This season's all right. If you win this one, <laughs> you're, you're probably you're you're beating Vanderbilt. You're playing you're for ten wins in a bowl game. All of a sudden, Heupel's a hero again. And and not that mm-hmm. I'm down on Heupel or any. Any any criticism of Heupel is just it's college football. Like you lose games as a head coach, you're going to get criticized. That's just kind of how life goes in the SEC in college football. It's in no way like oh my god, there's these huge questions about Heupel. Is he the right guy? Like there's nowhere near that stratosphere of talk. So any any criticism is not nothing like that uh, at all. But like I said, you you win this game and it totally changes the tone of the season. So all the motivation in the world is there. 
Titans YouTuber says the Titans need Brock Bowers. <laughs> yeah, ain't that the truth? Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a big part of it. Greg says Joe isn't leading the charge. It's not a knock against him. He just isn't him. That that's been my assessment of Joe all season long. Does he? he hasn't does he bad? He hasn't been no. bad. He hasn't been like yeah. You know, it's kind of like when Jared Garantano at times, like as as much flack as he got. Uh, I respected the way that, that Garantano went out there each week and played through a broke hand at times and all this stuff, but he just wasn't, he's just not that dude. Like he tried to, like he didn't hang yeah. on. It's not like he got misused by Pruitt. He tried to latch on in the NFL and kind of stuck around on a practice squad for a week or two. And, and he's just not that guy. And, and Milton's kind of in that same, in that same conversation. Yep. He, he's just, Joe is just not gonna drag you to a win. Like he's not a, He's not a Johnny Manziel type where you just watch him and you just go like, oh, this, this dude's magic. He's going to he's going to take this team on his shoulders. And that's that's the reason that they'll win. It it could be. Lord knows he has the talent. He has the physical ability to do that. When you watch him do things, he's just shown no evidence that he's going to go out there and and do it. Um, And that's that's tough. But before we move on to a much happier topic <laughs> uh, of basketball. Anything else with this Georgia Games Act? No, I mean just you know, hopefully Dolly Parton can bring the Vols some luck. We know we know she'll be there rooting for Tennessee as a native East Tennessean. So maybe maybe that's all they need. Maybe Dolly. Dolly Magic. Yeah, D- D- Dollywood's a magical place, and, and maybe she can she can bring the what is it the her whole thing the coat of many colors or whatever it was. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, I. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, there could be some Dolly magic there. I I would love it. Let that let that happen. That would be you broke the Peyton curse last year. This could be you would you broke the Peyton curse and now you could have the Dolly blessing. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's true. Just bring it all on. Uh, all right. Now let's talk about uh, the best sport Tennessee has going for it at the moment, but at least until we get to baseball, we'll see how good baseball is this year, but uh, basketball, who boy went and laid the smack down in Madison, Wisconsin. And uh, I think the season could end up being a lot of fun, uh, but let's talk about that quickly. Right after I tell you about rattle and snap Tennessee whiskey, nothing goes better with a Tennessee sports victory, much like the one that the volunteer basketball team had against Wisconsin. Then a great whiskey. And I'm talking about Rattle and Snap Tennessee Select Straight Whiskey. Rattle and Snap is a whiskey for those who make their own luck. There is a four-year and an eight-year version of Rattle and Snap. I've had both. <coughs> they are excellent. They go great in cocktails. They're also great neat in a glass. So go and get yourself some Rattle and Snap at stores across the state of Tennessee. But there, are, uh, it's also available in Kentucky, Indiana, and Mississippi. Run. Don't walk to get yourself some Rattle and Snap Whiskey for those Tennessee sports victories. And follow Rattle and Snap on Instagram at Rattle and Snap Whiskey. You know you're going to want some if Tennessee actually pulls off that miracle against Georgia. You're going to want a great whiskey round. So go get some Rattle and Snap. And now to basketball. And and I'll just start off this way, Zach. Um, it's going to be a dog alert. That's right. That's a blue tick coonhound banging into the wind because Dalton Connect is a dog. Oh my goodness. This kid so exactly fits what Tennessee needed last year. It's almost frustrating to watch him because I go, ah, if we would have just had this last year, Tennessee probably would have won a national title. I mean, you just look at it and that's, he, he's, he fits 
like a little puzzle piece into what Tennessee was missing last year. Now that said, Tennessee's two games into the regular season and, and can he do it over the course of 30 games? We will see, but so far in how he's played in, and actually this really includes the Michigan state exhibition game too. Uh, But so far, so in those three games, I mean, Dalton connect has just been that dude. He has gone out and taken over games and he's, I think the, the real difference maker is two things. He wants a ball in his hands in a clutch moment. And he he did that against Wisconsin. He went and he got you points when you needed them. It was, it's what you always have with Grant Williams. It was just like, all right, it's a tough moment. Get it into the paint. Get it to Grant. And in this one, I think it's going to be get it to Dalton. Give that man the basketball or at least let him take the basketball and facilitate something because he, he wants that, it seems like. But then this also. You have scorers on this team already, Santiago Vescovi uh, and and Zakai Ziegler and guys like that. But Dalton Connect is six foot six. He's imposing. He is physically imposing, a very big guy. And he can go and take it. Like Zakai Ziegler in that moment, he's not going to just go and easily create his own shot. He's just too small. And Dalton Connect is just not. Like he can impose his way, he can back guys down. He can just back guys down like a post move. It's amazing. Did you? I, now I know not everybody watched that Wisconsin game because it was on Peacock or whatever. You had to pay for it. But uh, did you see that game, Zach? Yeah, I saw uh, most of the second part of the second half. And that was really the, the part that impressed me about Dalton Connect was just the fact that comparing it to last year, you had a couple of moments in that game where it felt like Wisconsin might have a chance to get some momentum. You know, they only won by 10 points, so it's not like it was a blowout win. He just never really allowed it to them to really have a chance to get back into it. Like, every time Tennessee had to have a shot, he was able to to deliver. And, I mean, that's kind of what we said. It's like, this guy was exactly what that team needed last season. It's what every team needs to, to really make a deep <laughs> tournament run. But yeah, it's it's so early in the season. You know, there's going to be some nights where they just don't get it done. He's going to have some off nights where he just doesn't. The shots just don't go down. I mean, that that's basketball. It does happen. It happens in the NBA constantly. Uh, it it will happen to this team, and it will be okay when it does happen because he seems like the type of guy that kind of rises to the occasion. Like this was a a big early season road game. It was like your first kind of get up for this game it's not a game that everybody's expecting you to win you know by 40 points in a blowout cupcake type game it's a okay this this one could go either way you know it's a road game Wisconsin can be a tough place to play and he really showed up uh played 36 minutes I don't think that's sustainable through March and April you don't want him out there playing 36 minutes every night so hopefully that's uh and I don't think that'll be part of the plan especially as kind of figure out this rotation a little better. The team's so deep that most nights you won't need him playing that many minutes. But I think that's the so the thing I'd kind of watch for right now. But it's, you know, it's exciting. I, I don't know number one in the country already. I, I don't I don't think you want to crown this team that fast. I don't I don't you know how college basketball is. I mean it's been that way for 30 years, 30 plus years that I've been watching college basketball. You go to number one all of a sudden, you lose the next game. It's just this weird thing with college basketball. It's always been kind of that way. Teams don't stay number one typically for this long, long time. Sometimes you have these stretches, but don't want to crown them just yet. Let them, let them have some motivation. 
exactly. Yeah. So Andy Katz, who I think just works for the NCAA or something. I I see him occasionally on different programs, but I I think he actually is just like a hype man for the NCAA. I don't know. So in some sense, that makes him the enemy. But uh, you know, t- Tennessee in the AP poll is number seven, but Andy Katz has Tennessee in his first power ranking ranked as number one. I mean, Andy Katz, long, long time college basketball analyst, you know, very like stalwart guy. Um, did a lot of people respect his opinion? And, you know, he was just like, look, they Tennessee did it. They look the best so far into the season. Now, tomorrow you have kind of a Super Tuesday going on. I think Kentucky plays Kansas and Duke plays Michigan State. Duke already lost at home. That was fun to watch. Arizona looks good. Duke walked into Cameron and just kind of, I mean, I don't know if they went wire to wire, but in that second half, Arizona had a lead for almost all of the time that I was watching. It's so, kind of funny watching Caleb Love, who had been at Carolina or UNC, <laughs> kind of waving, yeah. waving to the crowd there. <laughs> yeah, you've been there before, uh, no doubt. Um, but yeah, so Cats has been number one, and tons and tons and tons of hype for this team uh i i think the the real thing that has to happen um i mean D- david jones says we have three rotational combinations of full court magic av- available at any given time although those rotations uh and, and actually <laughs> david jones same guy he says i believe a walk has everything needed uh to have a record rebound season for tennessee so it's gonna i think to have your three rotations really be as effective as possible. You are going to have to have some guys round into form. You know, your Freddie DeLeone. I still haven't totally learned what the exact correct pronunciation is. DeLeone. Um, you know, he he's going to have to come up a little more. Tobey Awaka, who I think has all the ability in the world. He just has to be more consistent and, and you know, start scoring the basketball and and just have Adu play well consistently. And I, I think you, you're seeing from Adu so far this season that he's ready to be that guy he, he's been pretty consistent so far but it, it's just gonna have to be uh you know everybody building into being that best version of themselves and that may take until maybe you know the final third of the season or something like that but hopefully kind of like last year that that team ended up playing probably its best basketball of the year right at the end of the season and and hopefully this this season that also happens, but hopefully, unlike last year, you don't have that kind of nasty lull in the middle where you're losing games at Vanderbilt and losing to Missouri and doing these different things that that team did. Hopefully, you can just go really good, really good, to even better, even better, maybe the best team in the country. Like, hopefully, it builds like that rather than being, oh, they look pretty good. Oh, we're going to stink for 10 games. Oh, now we're pretty good again. <laughs> you know, let's let's keep it consistent and and top level. That would be nice. But uh yeah, it's it's I'm excited. I'm very very excited about this basketball team. I mean, we've obviously everybody's talked about Dalton Connect and been all over social media, but what, what was your take on Jordan Ganey, you know, the other transfer? Oh player? yeah. Oh. I mean, as far as a guy who I I definitely made assumptions because his dad is a coach on the Tennessee bench. I definitely made assumptions of kind of being like, okay, yeah, he's here because of his name. He's hopefully he's a, he's a good three point shooter, and maybe we can get him in the game some, and he'll and he'll just make some shots. No, he can facilitate a shot, and he can really make moves, and and he's he's good on defense at least so far. He's he's definitely been pretty solid there, which is obviously if you want playing time on a Rick Barnes basketball team, you got to play defense, and he's <laughs> he's been 
probably the second best scorer on the team so far to Dalton Connect. And I mean, that's all you could really ask for from him. It's really been awesome. I, I've been so surprised, and I'm sorry that I made those assumptions. I would put it that way because uh, it's it has been really impressive so far compared to kind of that assumption I made of oh he's a he's a coach's kid maybe we can get him some some you know it's Stephen Pearl maybe we'll he, he can inbound the basketball you know <laughs> like that's uh, we we can use him some but no no he's good play play Jordan Ganey please because he has some real scoring ability and, and he's a fun dude to watch so I'm I'm excited all the way around I I <laughs> Jason says Ganey is the Robin to Dalton's Batman so far that has absolutely been the case they've been a really fun duo um and and i've i've been just really impressed you know it's funny with with tennessee sports football baseball they're they're kind of the the villains and all that but i feel like if this team made a run like a deep run rick barnes is so respected just in the world of college basketball for everything he's accomplished at and and clemson and texas and 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 tennessee like everyone would be kind of rooting rooting for him if, if they made a run to the final four i feel like that would be the team that everybody would kind of get behind especially having dalton connect because he is are we all every march i feel like we talk about how you got to have that guy like he is that guy like we kind of thought vestavi at one time might might develop into that guy but it's just just really not but dalton connect is that guy that could be like a household name coming out of march so it's Obviously, very early. Got a long way to go till we get to March and, and all that, and everybody's got to stay healthy. But it's it's gonna be a fun season, absolutely. And you you know, th- there's plenty to build on. Like Car- Carl, I don't know if he's referring to Tennessee. He said rebounding at Wisconsin was pretty bad. I don't know what I call it bad, but I think that's that's one that even even in that uh, that Michigan State game, I thought it's it's somewhere where they can improve. Um, I mean, there's. There's plenty of stuff, uh, you know, not not fouling too much. And because obviously Tennessee's gotten that reputation of just like banging teams around. <laughs> and, you know, they they got oh, against Duke last Duke, year. Oh, yeah. oh, my gosh. The Tennessee is Tennessee might as well have just assaulted Duke. Oh, <laughs> put them in jail. You know, uh, it's so annoying. Uh, Carl says connect is Larry Bird Jr. That's everybody's been making that uh, that comparison. Big, big, tall, white guy that's making moves. It's I love it. I hope uh, that he can keep it up all season because I I want Tennessee to have its own Larry Bird. That would be nice. <laughs> um, all right. Let's finish with this. Predictions for this weekend. The Tennessee Georgia game. We got to do it. We got to say what we actually think is going to happen in that one. I'll do it right after I tell you about Zen Sports. You've been hearing me talk about Zen Sports all season, the new sports betting act exclusively in Tennessee. And I'm excited to share some big news. Now, when you sign up for a Zen Sports account, you'll receive $1,000, a $1,000 no danger first wager. <laughs> That's catchy. That's right. When you place your first bet in Zen Sports, you can be reimbursed for the amount of your bet up to $1,000 maximum if that bet loses. And there's even more good news. Zen Sports is rolling out its brand new VIP rewards program. This new VIP rewards program will allow top-tier customers to earn more bonuses, comps, and perks. And the VIP program is by invite only. So if you feel that your Zen Sports play qualifies for VIP consideration, check out the program details and apply at zensports.com VIP. No other sports book will offer you a premier sports betting experience with 24-7 top-tier customer support and faster withdrawals like Zen Sports. So what are you waiting for? Get going and download 
their app at zinsports.com today. Zin Sports betting just got better. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. You must be 21 or older in Tennessee to bet. Zin Sports. All right, Zach. <laughs> oh, I, I don't, what is, what's even the line? Speaking of Zin Sports, what is the line on this game? Let's take a look. Georgia 10 and a half, minus 10 and a half in this one. 11 point favorites. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, like I said, I think Tennessee will play a lot better than we saw against Missouri. I, they're better at home. I, I just think they'll have a better game plan. They'll they'll kind of be in the game a little more. The motivation factor, everything in the world's there. There's just no way I could pick Tennessee because of everything I mentioned earlier, the depth concerns, the injuries that Tennessee sustained. I don't think the quarterback play is going to carry you in this game like Hendon Hooker was able to carry you to some wins last season. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it would be tough for me to pick Tennessee in this one. I, I think Georgia probably – I don't think they run the score up. Kirby's not really that way, but I think I think they run the ball. They, they run some clock out. They keep the ball away from Tennessee. It's still, I think they put some points on the board. I have Georgia winning 37-20. to 37-20. to 20. Mm-hmm. Oh, if Tennessee I had, was, at, I had Tennessee winning by fourteen against Missouri last week. So it's not like I'm <laughs> want to pick against the Vols. That's not it's not what I want to do. <laughs> nope, we both picked Tennessee in that one. Yep, hope springs eternal with, with this podcast. Uh, I believe I I chose Tennessee to beat Georgia, lose to Alabama, but then beat Georgia in the preseason. Of course, circumstances change. Realistically, if if Tennessee was fully healthy. I'm not feeling terrible about this game. If you had Thornton, if you had Brew McCoy, if everybody was 100% going up against the the current version of Georgia, I'd kind of be thinking, okay, the pieces are there to to at worst be competitive in this one uh, and then maybe steal one. But, I mean, Thornton's out, Brew's out, Keenan Peely's out. Like just all, it's Kamal Haddon out. Like just a lot of your really good pieces. Other are dudes are those sidelines. Yeah, yeah. McDonald's supposed to play, but we don't know. He might not. Hypo so coy with that. Exactly. So I, I can't pick Tennessee. I, I can put it that way. I do think that Tennessee will lose to Georgia by less than they lost to Missouri. Of course, that could mean that they lose by twenty-eight. <laughs> so there's that um i'll go 38 17 21 point win for georgia i mean i just and and i'll i'll even say it's probably close for till you know halftime it's maybe like a three point lead for georgia or something like that seven point lead for georgia at halftime and then they just like like i said earlier in the in the full segment they just put that boa constrictor on you. They just wrap it around your neck until you're blacked out. Like it just is, uh, they've done it all season long. It's nauseating. I hate it. Tennessee fans are going to get barked at. It's going to just really suck. And I'm sorry that that's what a degenerate fan base they are. But, um, you know, it just is what it is as far as that goes. Let's, it, a lot of people are dropping there in the comments. They're dropping in score predictions. Strong start here from Jason. He says, unfortunately, 45-21 Georgia. (laughs) 
Lou, Lou Man, of course. I mean, we've seen that score a lot, right? Like that's, uh, yeah. that very score we've pretty much seen in this <sighs> series set for last year. It, exactly. Lou Man, who is a Vandy fan, he says 55 to 10, Georgia. David says Tennessee in a final tick winner, 38 35. That'd be a lot of points to score against Georgia. Um, but I, I actually said, I forget even who it was, but uh, somebody predicted before the Texas A&M game, they were like, 17 14 Tennessee beats Texas A&M and I was like yeah fat chance Tennessee is going to keep Texas A&M to 14 points well lo and behold that's exactly what they did so you know shows what I know uh so maybe David's gonna be right uh Carl says dogs 48 Vols 56 they use Dolly Magic 56 points against Georgia that would be some real Dolly Magic that I mean when you'd have to go back and look, when was the last time Georgia got 50 points score on them? Probably not since I think the uh, only way that happens there. is if Jim Mora walks out on the sideline and coaches <laughs> Georgia on Saturday. Clearly, yeah, whatever that is, that gives Hypel some serious motivation. Look yeah. at Jim Mora across there. But I, I would love it. Dolly Magic. I don't know. We'll see. Um let's see. Greg says 45-17, Georgia. David follows it up and says, D. Williams is going to shock people this weekend. Titans YouTuber says, 51-17, George. I hope it's not that bad. Uh, Carl says, oh, actually, 28-17, dogs. Uh, and then, oh, and, and Billy Bob says that, that he was the one that predicted oh. uh, the, that low score in the Texas A&M game. So, Billy Bob, what's your prediction? You got to yeah. tell us, because maybe you'll be right, unless you think that Tennessee's going to lose. But um, Okay. Well, that's it. Yeah, there will have to be some some pitch sixes for for Tennessee to really have a chance here. And yeah. you mentioned that like the ball's got to bounce your way. It's got to be a bad snap that Tyler Barron returns for a you know touchdown that's not called back. And you might have to have some some uh, face masks on your side that aren't called, and and some penalties on Georgia's side that are called. Like you're going to have to have some help in that aspect of the game. Uh, it, 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 it's a lot that has to do your way, and and that was really. Like you said, the Alabama game last season, pretty much every break went Tennessee's way in that game for them to be able to pull that off. So yeah. you're going to kind of need something similar. I think, well, oh, Bill, Bill Bob says, I, I missed this comment above. He said, uh, our fans mess with Georgia, 22-21 oh, balls. Uh-oh. So, so that one, like, if Tennessee were to win, I feel yeah. like that's... Is that a... Like, Tennessee scores a touchdown at the very end and they go for two to win the game instead of going to overtime. <laughs> Maybe. Is that, that would, would, is that what you would want Josh Heupel to do? Like, yes. I remember Mike Grable did that 100%. in London one time. Yes, he did, and they missed. It was against the Chargers. <laughs> yes. Uh, he didn't get it, but I will never fault a coach for doing that, uh, ever, because it's, man... Uh, you know, you go for the win. You got in in that scenario. I mean, Butch, you're home. Butch should have done it in uh, A&M 2016. <sighs> but yeah, Kill me. No, I'm with I'm with That's... that too. Go for the win, especially if you're the under underdog and you you kind of got nothing to lose type game. Yeah, go for the win. Yeah, you got to just go for it. Oh, and and Agent Ghost, he says, screw it, balls by fifty. There you go. There's a there little optimism is. on the way out the door. Balls by fifty this weekend. It's that easy. All right. Charlie Burris, Zach Reagan. Thank you so much to everybody uh, who who watches every week. You guys are too good to us. It means the world, seriously. Couldn't do it without you. But this has been the Big Orange Podcast. Thank you again for watching. 
uh, follow, you know, follow us everywhere. You, you know where to find us if you're here. We appreciate it. And we'll talk to y'all next week. See you guys later.